can go ahead and turn to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. I'll also be reading out of um, 1 John 5 here in just a moment. This is week number three of the series we started, How to Face the Enemy and Win Every Time. God hasn't called you to be a loser. And he has given us all provision necessary in order to prevail over the uh, tactics and schemes of the enemy. And as you recall, on the first week, we talked about, yes, you can win. Yes, you can. Don't you tell me, no, I'll be back at you. Say, yes, you can. You can win. You can be victorious. The Lord is no respecter of persons. I want everyone to say, say, I am a winner in Christ Jesus. Sure you are. Second week, we talked about dressing for success. In fact, we were in this very chapter, Ephesians chapter 6, just beginning to talk about the armor of God and how you must put on the whole armor of God. It comes as an ensemble. You can't choose and pick that which you want to wear or not wear or what you like and what you don't like. You have to put the whole armor on. And so we talked about that last week. And so here we are at week number three. You know, every time I teach on the subject of warfare or dealing with the enemy, it's really interesting how if you just keep your mouth shut about him, life goes relatively smooth. But the minute you open your mouth up and you say you're going forward, anytime you open your mouth up and say, I I, I am going to take new territory, I am going to take new land, I'm going to press into the will of God, to the purposes of God. I'm going to face my giants. I'm going to enter enter into the land to deal with the battles that will be there. It is amazing how you will draw all kinds of attention from the enemy. And since we started these last several weeks, I I told Trace, I said, you know, it's just amazing how when you, life can be just absolutely smooth until you talk about winning against the enemy. And then things just start happening. You think that's coincidence? I don't think so. I think he knows that the greatest threat he has are people who get a revelation as to who they are and what they can do in Jesus Christ. Now, I'll be honest with you. There's been nothing overwhelmingly significant. I mean, there's been a few things here and there. Uh, Nothing that has just obviously taken us out or just been beyond being able to handle mostly aggravations the enemy's best at that just aggravating you he just aggravates 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 can put enough little things in your path to begin to discourage you to begin to depress you and then pretty soon you begin to say oh it doesn't work it's 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 not uh happening for me uh and and he just begins to shut you down and it would almost lead one to the conclusion that if we just If we just didn't talk about this subject, if we just didn't say anything, if we just sort of let it, you know, let's leave it for midweek and let's let those people that are really interested, you know, do that as a home study somewhere. And then if something happens, it can happen, you know, on the other side of the bridge. But I'm here to tell you that that is not good policy. We need to talk about this because if you're going to go forward, you're going to face battles. And if you're going to face a battle, you need to know how to win. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants to shut you down. He wants you to design your life in fear 
so you will not see and experience the victory the Lord has designed just for you. And I'll tell you again, you cannot use words like overcomer unless you have faced something you must overcome. Are you with me? You can't walk around saying, I'm an overcomer, and you've never overcame anything. You can't say, I'm triumphant, if you've never faced the battle where you walked through it and you were triumphant. You can never say more than a conqueror unless you face something that will very much leave you with a possibility of loss so you could face it, win it, and become more than a conqueror. So when we deal with this, this is not just this ethereal, theoretical, nebulous kind of concepts. I mean, you're going to face issues in life that you have got to win. And when you win, it's at that point you'll be an overcomer. And so our lesson this morning, I think it's a good one. In fact, whatever I'm talking about that moment, I always feel like it's a good one. So, In Ephesians 6, I've entitled our lesson this morning, Contending with Your Faith. Contending with Your Faith. I'm just going to read verse 16. We read last week all the beginning armor passages about be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the armor of God. Stand. All of those passages. He begins in verse 14 to talk about the different articles of armament or clothing that we can put on with which to stand against the enemy. And then we find here in verse 16 these words. He says, above all. And again, you don't have to know the original language to begin to understand that he's saying, don't lose this one, don't, don't ignore this one. Above all, get this, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all, everyone say all, I like that word, all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take up the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts, then leap over real quick, 1 John 5, Verse 4, and then we'll get started. 1 John 5, verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Are you ready? Our faith. Our faith. And this morning we're talking about contending with your faith. The purpose of the armor of God is for you to be able to stand your ground against the schemes and the tactics of the enemy. It's important for you to realize that when the armor's on, Satan's strategies cannot penetrate through the armor of God. Now, I'm not saying he won't throw strategies at you. He won't have tactics against you. I won't say that there won't be battles to face and things that you'll contend with. But you need to understand that the most important thing is not changing your circumstance or even changing the world, but the first thing that has to change is you and how you think and how you see and how you perceive and how you feel. I mean, it's amazing how your circumstances will look totally different if you'll be different. And, and so that armor is on you, so those schemes and tactics... And all the other things that he might be able to throw at you cannot penetrate inside of you. It may be happening around you, but they cannot penetrate inside of you. Paul says, above all, above all, the priority piece of equipment. Now, you're going to need them all, but he says the priority piece of equipment is the shield of faith. The shield of faith. He says that the, 
shield of faith extinguishes all the fiery darts of the enemy. The shield of faith. If you don't want to hear about faith, or if you think that I'm going to be a a faith teacher for just a moment, and that just doesn't float your boat, or that doesn't fit into your doctrine, then I'm here to tell you that you're in trouble. Because fiery darts will get through to you, unless you have the shield of faith. And, and, And so let's talk about that, and let's begin by talking about what the fiery darts are. I mean, that's great, vivid language that Paul's beginning to use, but let's talk... In reality, what's a fiery dart of the enemy? What are fiery darts in our life? I believe I put on the screen overhead that to me, fiery darts are things like this. Thoughts, speculations, imaginations, conjecture, jealousies, anything that's kind of playing a mind game with you. I I think the reason he calls them fiery darts is because these fiery darts produce torment. And they produce pain in our life. And I want you to get this one down. I put it on the screen as well. That the greatest fiery dart I believe the enemy throws. It's the one that works on most people. Is the one we'll call fear. Fear. Fear is what the enemy uses in people to extinguish their hope, their joy, their peace, and their faith. If he can get fear to begin to work in you, and if it's allowed to go unaddressed, he will shut you down and stop you from moving forward in the things that God has for you. Fear is designed to extinguish what God wants your faith to begin to produce for you in life. So every time the enemy tries to attack an area of your life, whether it be through some difficulty, harassment, whether it be through the beginning of thoughts, whether it be through something that's happening at work or at school. He's trying to produce some fear in you. He's doing that in order to circumvent or to cut down your faith. And the moment that happens, the moment those difficulties, thoughts, speculations, fears, the minute they start getting thrown at you, your only response to that can be for victory is to bring your shield of faith up. Your shield of faith. It takes faith to get results in the kingdom. Now, if you have your Bibles, and again, you can uh, write it down, go read it later. If you can follow along, that's great. But in Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith chapter, listen to this. Hebrews eleven thirty-two. 32, it says, And what more shall I say, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets. Verse 33, Who through faith, Come on now, say that. Say, who through faith? Ready? Who through faith? One more time. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens how did they do all these things who through faith you have to walk by faith and not by what you see not by what you feel not even by what you think at times faith is a spiritual connector you want to understand how the kingdom works tune in right now listen to me faith is the connector it connects you to the promises and the possibilities 
that are resident in God. Now, fear works on the same precepts. So whatever laws apply to faith also apply to fear. Fear is the enemy's connector to get you to move towards destruction, poor decisions, for him to steal, to shut you down, to cause mayhem in your life. Fear is what he connects to. Faith is what God connects to. So whatever laws apply to faith will also connect with fear. And so he brings fear to us in order that we might connect ourselves to timidity, to connect ourselves to failure and ultimately for us if we go walking in that continually to destruction now listen here this is very important the bible says this faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god everybody got that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god fear comes by hearing and that hearing by the voice of the enemy You need to write that down. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Fear comes by hearing, but it's only hearing the word of the enemy. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Listen to me. Without fear, it is impossible to please the enemy. Whatever law works for faith will also work in fear. Now, I want you just to take a moment. No judgment. We're not making judgments All right, these are evaluations. These are emotionless evaluations. I want you this week to just take a moment uh, at lunch or at work or wherever you may be and just watch people for a moment. Don't, Don't make judgments, just watch. Watch what they do, watch how they work, watch how they go about life, listen to what they say. And for just a moment, ask yourself this question, just as you're watching, it's sort of an assignment as you go out this week. Begin to evaluate where their confidence is directed. Ask yourself, by listening and watching this person, where would I, by looking at this, begin to say their confidence is directed? Many folks are more confident in their fears. They're more confident in how they feel. They're more confident in their speculations. They're more confident in all the things that are stirring around inside of them and outside of them rather than being confident in their faith in what God has said. Watch people. They will spend all day long telling you how sick they are. God, I feel terrible. Oh, and they'll even put Jesus in. Oh, sweet Jesus, I feel terrible. And, and, and they'll do all day long. And there'll be maybe a moment, and, and, and I know I'm, I'm but I'm, I'm standing for my healing. But, oh, but God, I'm so sick. I'm just, I, it's probably this one's going to take me out. Um, this is the one that's probably the big one. Listen, just listen. Listen to what they talk about their circumstances and, 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 and what's going on around them. Oh, oh, you know, this is the bad one. This, one, this one's the one that's going to be terrible. I can't believe this is happening. Listen to what they say about their relationships. Oh, it'll never be any different. It'll never change. It's not going anywhere. It'll always be the same. It's my lot in life. I want you to hear what is your confidence attached to. And if your confidence is attached to your fears, then understand that fear comes by hearing and hearing by the voice of the enemy. And and like Job of old, it says, the thing that I feared the most has come upon me. You've got to begin changing your life and your circumstances 
by beginning to change what you're hearing and how you're speaking. Now, let's give you some foundational concepts. I'm going to get to building up the shield of faith. What do I need to do? I'll get there about putting up the shield of faith. But before I get there, I need to give you a couple foundational concepts about faith. There are three just foundational things. We could spend weeks on this subject, but I'm just going to give you three quick foundational concepts. Number one is this. Faith will always involve a fight. Faith will always involve a fight. For a promise to come to pass in your life, you just need to realize, you better get ready for a fight. It's going to be a battle. Anybody that tells you any different has not read the scripture. 1 Timothy 6.12, Paul says this. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Yeah, it's in there. In other words, there are going to be some things you're going to battle for, you're going to fight for with regards to your faith. Faith isn't just dormantly or latently or passively just believing the right stuff inside of you somewhere. But faith is when you trust and you're confident and you act and it's the center of your focus. And you need to realize that when you get to that place where you function in faith and you're moving toward the will and the purpose of God and the enemy begins to see you do that, you become the number one enemy on his hit list. Because your neighbor who doesn't seem to face any difficulty, even though they don't like God, they don't love God, never darken the door of a church, don't want anything to do with religion, it seems like their life goes relatively smoothly most of the time. But here I am trying to serve God and do what's right, and I'm always in a battle. Why is that? It's because your neighbor's in darkness and you're moving to the will of God. The enemy doesn't have to fuss with them. He just lets them blindly, deceptively, just believe everything's cool. But you, on the other hand, you're different. You not only are getting to something that is personally good, but if you get too much revelation, you'll begin to learn that you can actually do damage to the kingdom of darkness. So you've got to realize faith involves a fight. Israel had to go into its land, its destiny, and it had to fight for its promise. In Hebrews chapter 11, I can't read the whole chapter, you just read it sometime. Hebrews 11. Everybody that moved in faith got in a fight. They're fighting all the time. You've got to learn that if you're going to function in faith and see God move by faith, there are going to be some battles. Now, we've already talked about our battles not with flesh and blood, amen? I'm not saying go out and beat your neighbor up or... You know, jump out of your car with a bat and hit somebody that's not driving right. I'm not saying that. That's flesh and blood right there. All right, that's not who our battle's with. Number two, you must understand the righteousness of God in your life. You must believe that you have a right for faith to work in your life. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 12, it says, For as many as received him... To them he gave the right to be called children of God. Now, if you've never received the Lord, you don't have that right. But once you've received the Lord into your life, he grants you the right to function in faith because you're one of his children. You must believe that. You must believe you have a right. It's not arrogance. It's confidence. It's not something that you're exalting yourself. It's something that God has given you as a believer in order to pursue his will and his purposes in the earth. You must realize that from this moment on, 
God has declared victory in you. Amen. You say, well, Pastor, I don't, you, know, you don't know what my week was like. You don't know what I faced. You don't know what people said. You don't know what went on. I know those were your circumstances. I'm quite sure. I know those were all the skirmishes of your week which took place. I, I don't deny that at all. But you need to understand that this skirmish you're in right now is about chapter 7 in about a 30-chapter book of your life. It's not the end of the story. And while this chapter is a tough chapter, and it's a battling chapter, and a fighting chapter, it's not the end of the book. And truth of the matter is, if chapter 30 says I win, then chapter 7 is just a little interlude on my way to victory. I'm still in victory in chapter 7, because I know how it's going to end. And I know how I overcome. It's through faith. That's my victory. So right now, it can look to the natural eye like everything is falling apart. But inside, there is victory. Amen. I'm about ready to get happy myself here. So you walk around defeated. That's your choice. But you start in victory. Stay in victory. And you'll have the victory. Then number three, whatever you're consistently hearing will become your foundation in life. Now, we're talking about just three foundational points of faith. Whatever you consistently hear will eventually become your foundation in life. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this. It says, faith comes by hearing, I've already quoted this, and hearing by the word of God. So here's the question you've got to ask yourself. What am I listening to? If I'm going to stand in faith, if I'm going to move in faith, if I believe that victory is mine, if I believe that God has called me to something better, if I believe that he's going to open doors, that success is out there, that he wants to prosper my hands, heal my body, help my family, break dysfunctionality, if he wants to do all these things, and I know it, he does because it says so here in his word, and I've got to move in faith, and this is the next question. What am I listening to? What am I hearing? Are you hearing what God is saying? Are you hearing what God is speaking? Or are we listening to dysfunctional, cynical, negative people? Because what you hear will greatly determine how you move forward. You've got to determine what you're going to listen to, who you're going to listen to, and what is allowed to enter through the ears in order to lay foundations in your life. And I'm just going to share this with you. You need to locate and remove, or as they say in the military, search and destroy. But it's nicer if you say locate and remove. <laughs> locate and remove those things that feed fear in your life. Now I'm going to be, I guess, up your tree here for just a minute, all right? And I'm going to be honest, if you've got family members that just are a constant whiny negative, you know, I'm not saying cut family out of your life, but you better, you better determine just how much time you want to spend with that. You say, well, I thought God was for the family. Well, yes, he is. But Jesus also said, don't think that I've come to bring peace, but a sword, and I'll drop that sword right down in the middle of the most intimate of relationships at times. He said, I'll put, a, I'll put a brother at variance with his brother and a sister at variance with his sister. You know why you're at variance? 
It's because they're saying stupid stuff. And you just aren't going to hear Do you love them? Sure you love them. Spend a holiday with them. Buy them a Christmas gift. Just don't let their words begin to move you down a road that sets you in fear, negativity, and destruction. Where is it taking you? And there comes a moment we've got to evaluate everything going on in our life and asking ourselves the question, exactly what level of input am I going to allow come into my ears and my heart because I'm going to the will of God? And if all I'm hearing is that which produces fear, cynicism, negativity, then you know what? You've only got a limited place in my life because I'm going to hang around that which gets me to the will of God. That's biblical, folks. I tell you, when the spies came back and the report was 10 to 2, don't go in, everybody, the whole congregation began to listen to the majority. And that was one time when they took a vote and they, well, there weren't many good votes in the scripture. I'll just put it to you that way. There's only about three that I can find and all of them were disasters. But that was one of those times where they said, well, gee, 10 of them said don't go in. Must be God. Must be. Eh. Wrong answer. And they began to let that fester in their ears and it, and it kept that whole generation out of a destiny. I'll tell you what, when you begin to understand that loving God, this is the first greatest commandment, I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everything else flows from that. So in other words, my passion for the Lord, my passion for His will, my passion for His plan in the earth, my passion for living all out for Him, my passion in that regard takes takes pre, uh, preeminence and it supersedes everything else. You know how many times I've had to look at family? I'm just, I'm just using family because, you know, in some of our minds, family trumps everything. And I'm just here to tell you that's idolatry. Now, I know you aren't going to hear this anywhere else but here, and I figure I've lost so much anyway, it just doesn't matter anymore. So, but I'll tell you the truth. You know how many times I've had to say no? I've missed funerals of family members because of the will of God. And I've had everybody in my family tree irritated with me. How could you do that? How could you? And they'll just go on and on and on. Because there was something in the will of God that I could not leave hanging and I had to, I had to pursue it. It was the heart of God, the will of God. I wasn't trying to be hard-hearted or offend anybody. But it's still in the Bible sometimes. Let the dead bury the dead. Do you think Jesus just threw that in there just because it sort of filled up space? I know, man. You get serious with walking with God. I mean, it'll get serious. But you see, we're talking about eternity. We're talking about his heart, his will, that passion. I'm not saying it happens all the time. Sure, we try to be benevolent and loving and extending and kind and gentle. Sure, we do. I, we aren't trying to find reasons to get in people's grill and face them off. But we've got to understand that if you're going to walk in faith and you've got chirping all around you, then you need to cut off the chirping and not lose your faith. Because some of you are losing your faith and you're attaching to the chirping. And then you're wondering why it ain't happening. It isn't that hard to figure out. Amen. Oh, this is so good. Are you recording this, guys? All right, I'm about ready to take notes on myself here. Amen. Before the enemy does something to you, he will try to disarm you. I'll say that again. 
Before the enemy does something to you, he will try to disarm you. What does that mean? He will try to get you to put your shield down. He will do that to you. He'll bring people. He'll bring voices. He'll bring circumstances to get you discouraged, to get you anxious, to get you to move out of that positive outlook and profession of faith. He'll get anything he can. He'll bring it straight up to you because he's going to find out if you trust God more than you trust even what you see. You better, because if you can't do that, you can't be saved. Amen. Because if I'm looking around me, even for eternal issues, I need to trust him more than I trust what's going on around me. That is why you fight the good fight of faith. It's a battle. Now, let's get to the question, how do I lift the shield of faith? How do I do this, Pastor? How do I keep this shield up in front of me? Three things. I'm not going to, you know, I could give you a list of 15 things, but I... I thought, no, if I just give them three things, they can go out and they can implement this, do this, and, and you will be way down the road from so many people, just these three things. Number one, you've got to begin to learn to speak the end from the beginning. Speak the end from the beginning. Romans 4, 13. I'm going to read this. It says, for the promise, he's speaking about Abraham now. I'll tell you the story. For the promise... That he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. I'm going to stop. I'm just going to explain a few things as I read through here. What the Lord's saying here is this. He's saying Abraham had a promise and that he was to be a father of many nations. This was God's heart. This was God's destiny. But this is what the Lord says. Understand that even though it's the Old Testament, he wasn't going to get this because he was following the law. But Abraham and his promise were only going to come to pass, even in the Old Testament, if he functioned through faith. Faith. Verse 14. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, verse 16, it is of faith that it might be according to grace or empowerment or enablement, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. And what he's simply saying there is this. Just because you're not, you're not racially Jewish. Listen to me now. I mean, the Jewish people were God's covenant people under an old covenant. That is true. God still has covenantal promises with regards to the people of Israel, even to this very day. But we need to understand that what Jesus Christ did was this. That he, that he broke the partition between Jew and Greek and male and female. And now no longer is it a racial issue, it's a gracial issue. It, it, it is something to do with us opening up our heart to the Lamb that was once slain before the foundation of the world. And our reception of Him into our life causes me not to be culturally or nationally or racially Jewish but because I've received Jesus, I too am the seed of Abraham. Glory to God. Yes, I am. I am a part of that seed. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. We must call those things, it says here, that be not as though they were. 
Now, it didn't say to call those things that are as if they weren't. It didn't say that, does it? A lot of people do this. They think, they think this is what the Bible says. So let's say they get sick or they're in a tough situation, and this is what they'll do. I'm not sick. <laughs> I'm not sick. <laughs> you know, and I'm not sick. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. No, that, that's denying what is as if it weren't. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, call those things that be not as though they were. So yes, we make confessions of healing. We make confessions of prospering. We make confessions of victory. And the reason you must confess it is because your tongue is the activator of your faith. That is how the kingdom operates. If you want to understand, and if you can get a hold of this, you will be, you will be farther than some people who have been Christians for three, four decades, if you'll get a hold of just this one point. The kingdom of God is accessed by your mouth. It's not accessed by how you think. Listen to me. A lot of you think right. You just don't talk right. The kingdom of God is accessed by how you speak and the words that come out of your mouth. It says in Romans chapter 10, salvation is used as the initial principle of how all of this works. It says with regards to our salvation... Romans chapter 10, verse 8, it says, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So this is the example. The example is if you want to be born again or if you want to be saved, you believe that Jesus died for you. You receive his presence. You receive that atonement or that sacrifice. You believe that he was raised from the dead in order to raise you up from the deadness of your sins and trespasses. All of that is good. To believe in your heart or your head to begin to believe the right things is good. But that's not where it stops. You must transition that belief into a confession. And out of the mouth, as you make confession that Jesus is Lord, as you profess that he has, yes, indeed, done these things, and as you receive out of your mouth that which he has provided for you, the Bible says at that point, one becomes born again. This is very important because just because you believe right doesn't mean you're right. The Bible says the devils believe. Devils believe. What makes us different than a devil? <laughs> well, we won't go there. What makes us different than a devil? Well, you see, a devil may believe certain things, but it speaks lies. It confesses deception and untruth. What makes us different? We confess that truth. We speak that truth. The illustration is Abraham. Listen to this. Abraham had a promise from God that he was going to be the father of many nations. And, and here was the problem, though. He was an old man, and the Bible says his body was dead. Now, he wasn't literally dead, but what that meant was he was impotent. He couldn't have children. Sarah was, she's kind of old herself. And they're, both their bodies just weren't, they weren't doing what bodies do in order to produce children. But the Lord comes along and he speaks this promise and he says, through you, you'll be a father of many nations. Now, here's the thing we need to remember. God spoke that word, and, and this is how we think, because we're Americans. We say to ourselves, oh, you know, what, 30 minutes later? 
He got the word and he said, hey, Sarah, let's go. Let's work on this promise. Well, what was it, Pastor? A day? A week? Couldn't have been more than a month. You're not telling me it was a year. I'm telling you it was 25 years. 25 years. Can you imagine 25 years having a promise from God that through you, being an old guy, with your wife, who's this old chick? And you may love each other tremendously, but the old body's not working. And, and God gives you this word, and you say to yourself, wow, Lord, if you're going to do this now, it would seem to me like you'd get the show on the road. Because obviously, by all natural, physical, medical, rational, logical thoughts, it would be better to have a baby when you're 74 rather than 99. Doesn't that make a lot of sense? Now, 74 would be a miracle, but 99, come on. 25 years. 25 years they had to walk in faith. We can't go 25 minutes hardly. He had to, what, what did Abraham do? What did he do for those 25 years? This is what he did for 25 years. He called those things that be not as though they were. I am the father of many nations. My house will be enlarged and blessed. My wife will conceive the promise of God in her womb. I don't care what she looks like, how old she is. I don't give a rip what the doctor says. How many of you know doctors have, have prognosticated people that couldn't have children that right now have houses loaded with children? I've heard this so many times I can't count. A doctor said, you're just not going to have any kids. And two years later, a kid pops up. What, well, what do you do? Go see the doctor and he goes what? Oops. For 25 years, Abraham said, I am the father of many nations. 25 years. Do you not think in 25 years he probably had to contend with his faith? Do you not think there were all sorts of people around him that looked at him and said, Abraham, dude, you're, you're 89 years old. And he had another 10 years to go. He's saying, they're saying, let it go, you're crazy, you're tangential, you're excessive. Abraham, for 25 years, kept saying, I am the father of many nations. My wife shall conceive. We will have a child. He will be the first fruit of a great and mighty nation. That He kept speaking the end from the beginning. He, the only way he could see it was by faith's eyes. Couldn't see it in the natural, couldn't see it happening around him. As a matter of fact, everything around him looked exactly the opposite of what God had said. That's the best place for faith to operate. When everything around you looks exactly the opposite of what God has said. The greatest place to move in faith is when the doctor says, you've got three months to live. And all of a sudden that shield comes up and says, nope, I've got 30 years to live. In Jesus' name. I know what he's called me to do. I know where I'm going. I know he has plans for me. What's the doctor? The doctor, the doctor, the doctor. Okay, the doctor practiced some medicine on you. Thank you for the doctor. We appreciate them. We do not despise them. But I'm here to tell you, it is not the doctor who determines my future. It is my faith that determines my future. Amen. People have asked me to illustrate this. Let me give you just a simple illustration. My, uh, my dog passed away a little bit of time ago, but I can remember when we lived at the other house and 
We'd let Shundai out and just let her run around the neighborhood. You know, just open up the door and she'd go off and run. And it'd be time for us to go somewhere, something like that. And so it'd be time for us to go. So I'd come out on the porch and I'd start hollering for her. Whistle and do all those things you do to call the dog in. Shundai! I told you it was just like doing warfare over my neighborhood just right there. Go, Shundai, come on! Come on! Shundai, come, come on! I'd call the dog in. Now, I, I want to paint a scenario and just, just go with me for a minute. What, 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 what would happen if you had a neighbor that suddenly came up as you're calling your dog in and your neighbor said, what you doing? Well, I'm calling my dog in. Really? You have a dog? Yes, I have a dog. It's your dog. Yes, it's legally my dog. So you're calling it in, yes? Well, I think you're crazy. Well, why do you think I'm crazy? Because I can't see your dog anywhere. Never knew you had a dog. Can't see it. So therefore, you must not have it. And I look and say, no, I've got a dog. I've got the papers for my dog. It's legally my dog. And your neighbor goes, oh, no, 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 no. I don't think it's God's will for you to have that dog. I don't think it's God's will for that dog even to come to you. In fact, if that dog comes, it's just the sovereign will of God for that dog to come. And I look at my neighbor and I'll say, what are you doing? I, I have a legal right to this dog. I don't care whether you've seen this dog or you haven't seen this dog. I know the dog is mine. And the neighbor looks at me and goes, you're crazy. Your dog is probably gone. It's not God's will even for that dog to come anymore. Now, I want to ask you something. If you had that conversation with your neighbor, who really is the crazy one? Well, why is it when we do these things spiritually, we let people think we're the crazy ones? Why? I don't care if you can't see my promise. That really doesn't affect me all that much. I don't care if you can't even get a clue as to what God has spoken to me and said to me and said was my legal right to have and enjoy and participate in. Maybe you can't see it, but don't you come up to me and tell me it's not my right to call it home, to call it in, because I'm speaking the end from the beginning. I'm calling that dog home. You'll have all sorts of people with the promise of God look at you. And they'll tell you every reason not to expect to get healed, not to expect to prosper, not to expect to go forward, not to expect to get your promise, not to expect anything good to come into your life. You'll have thousands line up for that position in your life. But you've got to reach the place where you look at them and say, you're nuts. I've seen it. It's legally mine. I've got the paperwork for that dog. And no, it may not get here while you're standing here, but it's coming home. Why do we struggle so with this stuff? I've got people all the time, Christian people, who come up and look at me like I've lost my mind when I'll tell people that God can prosper them or heal them or bring good things to them, and they'll look at me like I'm the heretic. They'll look at me and go, yeah, you know, if, if God's sovereign will, well, the next time you lose your dog, then just keep your mouth shut. Because unless it's God's will, let them go. Amen. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? All right. That's just number one. <laughs> Have mercy. Number two. All right, I'm going to do this real fast. You've got to act on what you're speaking. Until you express your faith through your obedience, it hadn't become faith yet. Hear me now. You believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth, and then you've got to act upon that confession. You, you know, well, I'll just use a simple one. You can... You can believe God's promise with regard to tithing, 
You can say it out of your mouth. I believe you. I believe tithing is a principle. But if you don't act on that, are you with me? It'll never, faith hasn't been activated. It happens in every area of life. You can stand for a healing, believe that God wants you to be healed. You can begin to speak that healing. But until you decide to walk obediently in what he has designed with regards to our health, and I'll just say again, I don't believe modern health is an adversary. I don't believe that. I t I've taken antibiotics. I'll take ibuprofen. I, I access the medical profession. So I, I understand that God can release knowledge in the earth. And through the health profession, there are things that even God can use in order to help me as I begin to walk through life. But listen to me. Listen to me very carefully. My trust is not in my medicine. And my trust is not in my doctors. And my trust is not even in the procedure. My trust is in my maker. And I have clearly defined that. And I think we ought to clearly pray about everything that goes in our body and clearly pray about everything that is done and make sure we are obediently walking to what God has asked us to do. The children of Israel would have never taken a Jericho if they had not done a crazy march. They could have confessed it, believed it, but until they got up that morning and began to walk around that city silent and then on the seventh time they lifted up their shout nothing would have happened they had to obey for faith to work david had to pick up a stone with which to sling at goliath in order for his faith to work there's something god will ask of you to do in order for your faith to work i say this every sunday when we give invitations i'll tell people you need to step out from where you are and come to the front and confess the Lord in front of everybody. And why do I ask that? Because you can believe and you can say the right thing where you are, but until something is put in motion, your faith really hasn't worked. You can look at the chair right there and say, I believe, Noah, that chair that's right next to you will hold my weight. I believe that. I'll confess that. That chair will hold my weight. Glory to God. That's a sturdy chair. It's a great chair. God has foreordained that chair for me to sit on and hold me up. But until I... March my behind and sit in that chair. Hallelujah. It hasn't held me up. Are you with me? That's going to work in every area of life just that way. I got to go on. Number three. And then you got to keep yourself built up in your faith. Keep yourself built up in your faith. Fear is a faith contaminator. I'll say that again. Fear is a faith contaminator. Every word and thought that seeks to establish itself in your spirit must be met with the word of faith. When negative thoughts come your way, you've heard me say this a thousand times, when negative thoughts come your way, don't combat them with another thought. This is, this is another mistake. This is what people do. They have negative things flying at them. People chirping, yipping saying all sorts of stuff, and they've got all these thoughts, emotions, feelings, stirring. And they say, I can't do this. I can't go down that road. I can't think like this. I know this isn't good for me. And so what do they do? This is what they try to do. They say, I know. I'll stop thinking that way. Oh, that's hard. Have you ever noticed you can't combat a thought with a thought? Have you ever noticed that? You say, well, how do I get rid of these thoughts? Listen to me. You've got to begin to 
speak. You've got to begin to let your words that are coming out of your mouth begin to combat those thoughts. And this is the neat thing. As you begin to speak those things that be not as though they were, and you begin to speak victory, and you speak faith, and you speak that which comes exactly against what's going on in your mind, you watch your mind start to shift. As your confession begins to take dominion over your mind, and those words that you're speaking, you say, I don't feel like saying it. Well, for crying out loud, why are you letting your feelings determine your future? Isn't it time you let your faith determine your future? We're letting our feelings, well, I don't feel, I don't, you know, we get up in the morning and we decide whether we feel like we want to go to church. We get up and we decide whether we feel, wanna read, whether we feel like we want to read our Bible, whether we feel like praying, whether we feel this or feel that. God isn't, God isn't moved by your feelings, he's moved by your faith. And faith, faith is not linked to your feelings, but your feelings will respond to your faith if you'll get it out of your mouth. Start speaking it. Speak it, speak it, speak it, speak it. That may be all you're doing all day, is speaking it. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not below. The enemy comes against me one way. He'll scatter in seven ways. I'm blessed going in and going out in my barns and in my baskets. I will lend and not borrow. Hallelujah. I can do all things. I mean, you can just get it in your mouth, and you must, you must keep yourself built up. You must open up your mouth, speak words of faith, and you must maintain that position at all times. This is, this is like exercise. I don't know, I'm getting to the age now that if I stop exercising for a while, you know what happens? I slide back. My body goes, oh, great, he stopped exercising. So, so it starts to move back. And so I can't go as long on the elliptical machine. I can't lift as much as I used to lift. Because why? I quit doing it. And so then I have to start getting back in the habit and back in the practice and getting that victory going again, and finally you, you see your life getting back in order. Keep yourself built up in your faith. I put three things, and this is it. Pray in your own language as you're prompted by the Spirit. The Bible says there are times that you can pray with groanings, even which are hard to utter. And yes, number three, we are of that tribe that believes you can pray in the Spirit. You can pray in other tongues. And, and build yourself up, it says in Jude verse 20, on your most holy faith. We've got to keep ourselves built up. How many of you know there's a promise in God for you this morning? The Bible says that all the promises of God are yes and amen. Now, the enemy's going to wait for you right outside that door. Now, I'm not speaking anything bad. I'm just telling you the truth. He is the God of this world, little g. He's waiting to contend with you as you walk outside that door. He knows this morning that he's going to have to have a good-sized army of his imps available right outside that door because I'm fixing to loose a couple hundred people to go out there and be victorious. And you better be built up. I, I, this isn't to scare you. This is to tell you, yes, you can win. Yes, you can go forward. Yes, it can be different. Yes, life can be totally changed and rearranged for you. Yes, it can. If, if you choose to take up the armor and above all, lift up the shield of faith. I wrote down here, whenever impossibility shows up, it is an opportunity to use your faith. And if you use your faith, you will extinguish all the fiery darts of the enemy. Amen. Are you ready to lift up that shield? Come on, stand with me right now. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Here's what we're going to, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to do something totally different right now. Before you turn the music on, Gary, wait just a second before you turn the music on. This is what I want to ask you to do. It just left in me right there. That was the Holy Spirit. And this is what the Holy Spirit said. Isaiah chapter 6, where Isaiah went into the temple, and he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And, and, and he made this confession. He said, woe is me, for I'm a man undone. For I'm a man with unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. That's, that's Isaiah chapter 6. And the Bible says that the Lord took a coal off the altar and sent an angel down to him, laid it upon his lips, and it purged. It purged him, it says. This is what I feel like the Lord wants to do with you today. I believe that if you'll come and you'll present yourself just like Isaiah did, and you'll allow the Lord to purge your lips this morning. Purge what comes out of your mouth. Purge the confession of faith. Purge you always saying what you feel and not saying what God says. If you'll allow God to begin to purge you in this regard, I, I, I prophesy this to you, that your life will begin to change tomorrow morning. I believe something can happen today at 1145 that can be so significant in your life that tomorrow morning when you go to work at 8 a.m., it'll be totally different because of that which God has done and that which you begin to practice. So I'm going to pray right now for a purging, a purging of the lips. We got to get our confession. This isn't just a happy, a happy talk. We're going to start talking happy now. Boy, we need to talk happy. Now, I'm not talking about happy talk. I'm talking about faith talk. About promise talk. Believe in God talk. I believe he's got a better day for you and for me. Amen? Come on, are you honest enough to say that? I, I, I'm honest enough to say I don't function 24-7 when everything coming out that's good, but I'm telling you right now, if you'll join me, I'm going to pray right now that God will purge us individually and purge us as a people to get our lips right. Get our lips right. Say, I need that. I really need that to happen in my life. Come on now. Just, you're presenting yourself at the altar, and this is where the coal came off of. And we're going to pray right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm getting you ready. See, I'm getting, really, I'm, I'm kind of buffing up your armor right now. You're bringing your shield to the front right now, and, and, and we're just buffing it up a little bit so you can present your shield to extinguish every fiery dart of the enemy. Amen. This is what I want you to do right now. As you're standing here with me, I want you to say right now to the Lord, not, just don't repeat after me, but I want you to say before the Lord, say, forgive me for I'm a man or a woman undone and I am, I am a, a person of unclean lips. I'm a person of unclean lips. I confess everything that I feel, everything that I think, any thought that runs through my mind, I've got to let it come out of my mouth. And I am a person right now of unclean lips, Lord. And I acknowledge it, I acknowledge it, and I repent from it. I choose to turn. By an act of my will, I choose to turn as you enable me right now. And I agree with you, Lord. I agree with you. Purge me from that. Come on, now that means expiate, cleanse, rip it out of me, purge me. I'm not, 
Listen, I'm not praying that God suppresses things in me anymore. I need, to, I need some purging to take place. If I don't get it purged, it always seems to resurrect. Come on now. Say, Lord, purge it out of me. Let the coal touch my lips, the fire of God to begin to touch my lips. Guys, you can go ahead and hit that, hit that uh, quiet times, will you please? Purge me, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus. I'm, I'm a man. I've been undone. My life's undone. My thought life's undone. My, my relationships are undone. My marriage is undone. My family's undone. And I'm shooting my mouth off and saying everything except what you said is rightfully mine as a child of God. And Lord, that's changing today. It's changing in me as an individual. It's changing, it's changing in this body today as a people. Lord, that this people from their mouths will begin, to, will begin to put into motion, Lord, through their faith, the things that you promised us as a people as well as their own personal lives. Lord, let it be purged. Let that, that, that purging take place in us that we're not so quick to fall back into those ways. But Lord, let us be ever vigilant as we become undone that we can say, Lord, as a people, I dwell in the midst of a people undone, but Lord, together, together, Lord, we can be put back together. Thank you. You're putting people right now back together. Come on, let him do that right now. You may have come down with the conviction of the Holy Spirit and that was God's way of saying that's you, that's you, that's you. So don't you despise that guilt, but we're not going to let the enemy just beat you with it either. Yes, you should have done better, but here's the good news. God's pulling it out. Let, just believe that right now. Say, I, I believe you're pulling it out, Lord. You're purging me of that. You're purging me of that. And now begin to, out of your mouth, confess this. Don't just think it, confess it. Lord, you're putting it together right inside of me. You're changing the way I, I think. You're giving me those moments to catch myself before I just shoot my mouth off. You're giving me those moments to consider what it is I want to put into motion by my confession. Because, Lord, I believe you've called me to win against the enemy. Lord, we want our shield of faith to be absolutely steadfast because you said above all, above all, lifting the shield of faith to extinguish all these fiery darts of the enemy. So Lord, I confess right now that I'm changed in this area. Come on now, you need to say that. You, I confess right now, Lord, you're transforming me and you're changing me in this area. I'm saying it out loud. Don't just think it. I know some of you got to say it. I agree with what you said, Lord, that I'm being changed right now from glory to glory to glory and from faith to faith to faith. I'm being changed. I'm being rearranged. You're making me into a different person. You're changing the way I talk. You're changing what comes out of my mouth. I'm going to begin to speak that which is your promise. And Lord, I'm saying right now that your promises shall come to pass that I will overcome the world. I'll overcome the workplace. I'll overcome my school. I'll overcome people, family, friends. I'm going to overcome them all in the name of Jesus. Yes, I'm standing in victory right now. I'm only in chapter 7, but I'm going to chapter 30. And victory is mine. It is mine. It is mine. It is mine. Come on, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not below. I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed.
Come on. Some of you right now are saying, I can't pay my bills. I don't care what's waiting on the kitchen table. I only care about what's coming out of your mouth. I am blessed. God will meet my need according to his riches. He will come through. The impossible will be possible. Change is coming. I'm not negotiating with the enemy. I'm going into my destiny. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, right now, everybody lift your hands now because I'm going to speak the, the final word here in just a moment. I'm just going to seal. Father, right now, by your spirit, the most amazing thing about you, Lord, is that you can look at numbers of people here, across town, in other states, through this nation and around the world. You have that capacity, Lord, right now to be in full force wherever people have gathered in your name. And Lord, I ask you now <laughs> for the marker to go down the stake in the ground. Lord, that moment on the calendar that we can write down, we can put it up on our bathroom mirror, put it on the refrigerator that says October the 21st, 2007. My mouth, my confession, my faith was forever changed. Forever. Some of you need to write it down. I'm not kidding. You put it on your mirror in the bathroom. Tell you every morning, watch what you say. Come on now, you can tell, you can tell it in a way you can receive it. Just write it down. You're like me. I just put up a note that says, hey, dum-dum, get your mouth right. Get your mouth right. You're changed. You receive that, you're changed. You're being transformed. It's being turned around. Yes, it is. Let me tell you, I can want good things for you. I can pray for you, and I will believe for you, and I will even confess things for you. But until that gets in you personally, You'll never go to that next level. Come on now, go to the next level. Go to that next dimension. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, we just set that stake in the ground right now. We set it in the ground right now. Lord, as I release people and, and we go our separate ways today, Lord, we're not turning from this altar like we do at times one more time. But, Lord, we're turning as whole different creations and beings. Come on now, what do, you, what do you need to begin to confess? Come on, what do you need to begin to confess? Come on, let me hear it. Let me hear it out there. What do you need to begin to confess? Oh, that again, honey. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Come on now, holler. You got to holler. Got to hear some things. All the enemies are going to be scattered. Come on, over here. Who's going to holler at me? You can do anything and everything. Come on, holler at me. More than conquerors. Come on. Come on, even make it more specific than that. All your need. Come on now. Come on, let me hear it. Salvation and deliverance and restoration. Yes. Come on over here on the left. You're way too quiet. Talk to me now. I'll call your name out. Come on, Michelle. What do you got to... I'm calling on you. What are you going to say? Forever change. Forever change. Forever change. Come on now, gotta get it in our gotta get it in our mouth. The shield of faith. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. By his stripes I am healed. 
I'll not be ensnared anymore by the words of my mouth. Amen. That's a good one. Amen. Your mouth shall be clean. It shall be in Jesus' name. Father, thank you right now. Thank you right now, Lord. There, there are words that are coming up from your altar right now, Lord. And I pray that from this point forward that foyers will be your altar and and cars will be your altar and showers will be your altars and kitchen tables will be your altar and workplaces and schools will be your altar lord and and that from this point forward we will not be shaken from standing in faith and watching every scheme and tactic of the enemy fail you shall win i want you to hear that you shall win you shall win. yes you will Yes, you will. Yes, you will. One more time, I want you to say it. Repeat after me. Say, I am a winner in Christ Jesus. Can you give him a great big hand clap now? Let's just bless the Lord before we go. Praise God. Praise God. All right, guys. Before you, I know we're going and, and there's places to go, people to see, things to do. But before you go, you got to find three people and be an Tell them they can win, they shall overcome, they're going to be changed, it's going to be different. You know people that are around you right now and what they need to hear. You be an encouragement to them, three people, and then you're released to fellowship. God bless you. We'll see you in the middle of the week.